When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Honest to God, I think the first movie I saw when I moved to Los Angeles in 1986 was Maximum Overdrive. Oh, my God. You know I get recognized for that about once a week. (laughs) Do you really? Yeah. That and The Legend of Billie Jean. Yes. Yeah. And um, both of those movies were, were bombs when they came out. But thanks to cable television, which was the savior of all our careers, literally like (laughs) 24 seven for months at a time. So if you were, you know, an insomniac, you were like, oh, shit, I'll I'll watch that. So (laughs) it really gave both of those films the life, uh, a life it never would have had otherwise. Sure. True. Yeah, no, there are there are generations of people who would never have seen those films otherwise. Totally. Uh, but it was bizarre. I just, I always sort of, I was like, went through the IMDb, see if there's anything essential I'm missing or forgetting or something. And then I saw that. I was like, oh it's so God. funny. Really, that that the Maximum Overdrive's true claim to fame, of course, is, is it's the only film Stephen King ever directed. Yes. And... Um, Which he supposedly has very little memory of directing. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> and I do remember... Um, it's not a good movie. You know, they took a 12-page short story and expanded it into this full-length feature. And um, our crew was all Italian, all Italian-speaking, because it was Dino De Laurentiis. So, for, I mean, Stephen didn't speak Italian, and they really didn't speak any English. And so he would say something, and then we had a translator, and the translator would say to the crew, and the crew would then say back to the translator. and back. I mean... It must have added two weeks just to the production timeline, just from translation alone. And then um, I remember that every day at five o'clock, the beer would show up. And it didn't matter if it was a day shoot or a night shoot. And there were a lot of night shoots. I'll just leave that right there. Um, But he couldn't have been nicer. He was lovely as pie. And he, he was very, very humble. I think he felt and knew that he was kind of out of his depth here. But a good crew, you know, if you know what you want emotionally, I think, from an yeah. actor or from your your cast, then a crew can help you muddle through the, hey, just let it over here so they're not talking in the dark. Or, right. you know, let's, <laughs> we need this, that over there. So, um, but it was, it was kind of a, a dumpster fire. Yeah, I find it helps to be able to communicate with the people you're working with. So. <laughs> kind of. And even then, 
<laughs> and even then. And even then. Even then. Yeah. Well, I've, I've always admired him for, um, uh, I, have this, I have this belief, it's terribly phrased, that you should always know your place in any situation. If you're the top of the mountain or if you're just a worker bee. And the fact that he swore if he couldn't pull it off, he'd never direct again. And then he never directed again. And he I, never directed again. I have such respect for that. It's. Uh, I I have to agree with you. He he was um yeah humble to a fault. I will say. Yeah, and, yeah. and a genuinely great writer. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. He doesn't get credit for a lot because of the genre, but not not why we're here. Um, but but thank <laughs> you for that. That was <laughs> my pleasure. Um, it is such a joy to have you. We've got uh, Yardley Smith with us, who um. I can't believe you guys are about to do your 32nd season of the, yes. and and then I think of like when I'm first watching the show with my little brother who was you know a child when it first started who's you know now got two kids who <laughs> you know run around quoting the Simpsons all the time and, and yet Lisa Simpson gets no older I know That's it's true. Perverse. She's eight, and every time she has a birthday, she just she turns eight, and we just don't talk about that. <laughs> it's it's um it's beyond a phenomenal phenomenon. It's just a it's out outrun Gunsmoke. Yeah. Yes, actually, and that was one of our last milestones. And also, um, Gunsmoke had more seasons, but Ozzy and Harriet had more episodes. Really? Because Ozzy and Harriet was on four or five days a week, and so oh, they. Wasn't? had episodes numbering in the high 400s like i want to say 465 or something like that and now we're past 700 so 435 there yeah pretty close um yeah crazy and to your point um josh about multi-generations we have writers who grew up watching the show who thought my dream job would be to write on The Simpsons, but they won't still be on by the time I'm sure. old enough to be a writer. I'm like, no, no, yes, we will. We will. <laughs> and so now they do. And, and what oh an God. incredible experience that must be. And, and yeah. to think, I remember thinking when we reached, um, well, really, even when we reached probably about season 13 or 15, that there were kids, young people, who now didn't remember a world without the Simpsons, who were old enough to sort of clock that and go, oh, yeah, all my life. I've been watching that show all my life. And they yeah. were yeah. You know, fully formed <laughs> or growing human beings. And so that was pretty extraordinary. And now to have, and we have actually, I, somebody told me the other day that their kids who are about five years old and six are starting to watch the Simpsons. Sure. And they watch, and the parents watch The Simpsons, sure. like you were saying. So, I mean, it'll never happen again, especially now with limited series. Yeah. Everybody yeah. is eight episodes, 10 episodes. I don't know how anything could reach that kind of audience at first. Yeah, uh, it's an amazing yeah. thing. It's an amazing yeah. thing. I can't even imagine what it must be like for you guys. Um, it's I do a, know it's, my, my. It's the best job in the world, is what it's oh, like. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. I, I, you want to know that, you know, it's just the notion of you guys just miserable for 32 uh, years. It's just not. No, and <laughs> I really feel like The Simpsons, first of all, I do believe and feel in my heart and soul that Lisa Simpson is one of the best, most complex, interesting, funny, flawed, fully formed characters ever created for a female actor yeah. across any medium. Yeah. 
And um, so I feel really incredibly grateful and lucky to have been asked to sort of imbue her with some heart and soul. And to be 33 and a third percent of the process, right? So a third is the writing, a third is the acting, a third is the animation. You really cannot take one of those facets away and have the effect on generations, I think, that we've had. It really, it happened, it just is one of those lightning in a bottle situations Mm. that we all try to reverse engineer, but of course you can't do it. Um, And I feel like- Do it again. Exactly. (laughs) And if you are lucky enough to land in a honeypot like this and you don't have the wherewithal to make multiple opportunities out of it, then that's on you. So if, if you are miserable after 32 seasons in this little nirvana that we have, well, all right then. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to. Well, I'm, I'm uh, really <laughs> glad to hear you're enjoying it because it's, it's, you, you wonder, I guess. I know my um, dear friend Harlan Ellison got to, be, uh, got to play himself on the show a few years ago and said it was one of the greatest experiences he ever had. I'm so and, glad. We yeah. are so rarely not because um, technology has advanced um, so in leaps and bounds over the years, we often don't get to meet our guest stars anymore mm. because, you know, you, you really, if you, I'm, I'm recording, actually, I have a tiny little bar bistro at my house. And since we started recording The Simpsons at home because of the pandemic right. um, and doing our read-throughs here, we had to go around all our houses to see where's the best, quietest, a place that has what they call the least amount of reflection. So it doesn't sound tinny. There's not too much reverberation, all of the things that you want when you record first rate audio. So, or don't want rather. And so I have this little bistro that has um, insulated walls, padded walls. So the premise being that if you had a party, you could actually, it's literally though 10 feet by 10 feet. It's not big. But they're like, oh, Yardley, that's fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic. That's the best room ever. And so, um, so to the point is, you know, I already had pretty good equipment because I co-host a podcast yes, um, I was myself. Yes, Small Town Dicks. Um, yes, a true crime podcast. All of our cases are told by the detectives who investigated them. So if you're a true crime lover, it really is very, very good. And we just started season seven um, on Friday. But uh, so I had good equipment. Right. But we, there's no world. Ten years ago, it doesn't matter. You couldn't, you know, there's no way you could actually record in your bistro from home. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> we're, all, we're all figuring out this new world. Of, yeah, we are. Recording. Yeah, we used to do this in a studio. Um. Oh, did you? You did as <laughs> yeah. well. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it was nice sitting in a room uh, with people. Since February, we haven't done that. Yes, uh, but it's, it's oddly uh, improved our selection of guests because now people don't have to come to Birmingham. Yeah, you know, it's. I was thinking just the other day that so I'm working from home. I also we have a I have a, a co-founded um, production and development company called Paperclip Limited, and I think I'm busier and work more longer hours working from home than I did when we had our little office. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we still have, but nobody really goes there at the moment. And uh, so it's become a real um, exercise, real discipline, actually. If you're only going to go from my desk happens to be in the living room because that's where the best view of the garden is. So 
if you're only going to go from the living room to the kitchen, then you better fucking make it the end of the day because that's only, what, 25 feet or whatever. So you better go, okay, from here to there, I'm actually going to end the workday. I'm going to do it. I'm really doing it. I'm really doing it, Larry. I'm really doing it. So, um, Anywho. That's fantastic. Well, I've been, you know, I'm a screenwriter mostly, so I've been, I've been commuting to work in my pajamas for many, many years now. Right. How has it, how has being in lockdown changed for you? Has it at all? Does it feel different not being able to go out? um, Yeah, it's the not being able to thing. You know, my office has been my home for years and I've I've always worked here and I love it. Um, Sort of on a day-to-day basis, it hasn't changed much. Um, I love not going to meetings. (laughs) I'm never going to a meeting that's farther than a mile from my house again. Um, it's, uh, and, and we've been what's doing the point. exactly. Right. And, and, uh, I figured out that you can do pitches over zoom where you actually can pre-record them and edit them and cut in graphics and music and stuff. And it's so much better than sitting in a room and anxiously worrying that you're going to flub something or forget the second act or and trying to read the room between every sentence. Exactly. Oh my God. The yes. worst, right? Yeah. And, and long ago, even before the pandemic, we used to, they, producers stopped meeting you for auditions anyway. Mm-hmm. They would just put you on tape. I think it's actually incredibly difficult to get a role just from tape. Yeah. Well, um, that there is something obviously very visceral about being in the room with people and them getting a sense of you. And um, my, my second ex-husband <laughs> has, was really good friends with uh, J.K. Simmons, who's of course a terrific actor and, J.K. Simmons always used to say, it's all about, do they want to have a beer with you? Yeah. And if you were in the room with them, then as you were saying, Joe, you would sort of read the room. And if you were really nimble, maybe you could kind of adapt and adjust and make these little micro um, adjustments in your meeting. But that sort of went out the window ages ago when producers went, fuck that. Are you kidding me? We can just watch tape. I'm doing that. So, <laughs> But now I feel like with the whole Zoom craze, because we all have had to, it, it's taken on a, a level of sophistication that I actually hope will help yeah. on that end in terms of the actors trying to get a job from tape. Yeah, I, I think the landscape has uh, been changed remarkably, forever, right? probably forever. Yeah. Uh, by this uh, lockdown and um, and certainly the the, uh, the rise of Zoom, um, you know, which is now the preeminent way that people communicate with each other, which is, you know, a, a year ago, I would never have known what that was, I know. <laughs> you know, so uh, Zoom was an old kid show. When, right, know. right. <laughs> Wait till we find out that the, the company that owns Zoom actually started the pandemic. <laughs> oh Josh, that's so dark. He's such a cynical writer. <laughs> I did read though um in April I think that in in December Zoom had 20 million users a day and by March end of March they had 80 million. Yeah. Makes sense. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you want to talk about some movies? Yes, very much so. Uh, Yardley, I, we, we don't tell Joe in advance um, oh. what we're talking about. Uh, I don't know. So I won't nod off. <laughs> <laughs> I can't promise that you won't still, but okay. But you had a, you had a great, great topic, and I'm, I'm so psyched because these um, um, we don't do this sort of thing very often, and uh, this is going to be a fun one to edit because I'm going to put in clips. of. So tell, tell Joe what you're going to. Okay, so. 
I actually, I love movies, but I'm not really a movie buff. I don't see things twice mm. often. Um, and I walk out of movies. So I was like, oh, oh no, they want a theme? And I have a terrible memory. So this is working out well for me. Um, but so I really, really drilled down and I thought, oh, you know what I really love? And what I do remember is musical numbers and specifically musical numbers starring women. And so Fantastic. I came up with a, a by no means exhaustive list of 10 musical numbers that I love starring women, but um, 10 that I think are, are pretty great. Now, do you ever do you ever revisit these since you have a have a no no watch twice policy? Um, I I do actually. I have seen a number of them um, several times. Like one of them is, and and I put them as a list of ten, but really in no particular order. But um, so I've seen Gilda starring Rita Hayworth, mm-hmm. yes, probably four or five times, and uh, I've seen Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which I would say is one of my really favorite movies of all time, um, probably at least six or seven times. Well, let's start with Gilda. I mean, let's yeah. say, um, uh, which, which number from that? And do you remember the so first? So put the blame on Mame. They said that old mother nature was up to her old trick. That's the story that went around, but here's the reload-down. Put the blame on Maine, boy. Put the blame on Maine. One night she started to shim and shake. That brought on the Frisco quake. So you can put the blame on Maine, boy. Put the blame on Maine. I remember as I when I was. I remembered the name of the film. I remembered the name of the song. And then I was like, what is that movie about? I don't think anybody really knows. Uh, <laughs> nobody is really paying that much attention because it's all about Rita Hayworth yeah. in her prime, looking so incredibly beautiful mm. and going for it in every musical number, whether it was a ballad or this great kind of this great saucy sort of raunchy, put the blame on Mame number. And um And so I watched it again over the weekend, just that number, just the musical number. And uh, so many, several things occurred to me. So the movie came out in 1946. And um, there was, first of all, she's so, uh, she's almost improvisational with her dance moves, I feel like. But there's such confidence. There's such like, I own you. I'm, I will be here for the next four minutes. Don't even think about getting up. Because, of course, in those movies in that era, they all took place in these beautiful rooms and there were little tables, you know, like supper clubs and things. And um, so you get sort of the sense of that. And the audience is wrapped. Whether or not they're just hired extras, they were all just sort of slack-jawed at this woman pulling out all the stops for this fantastic song. And I was reminded as I was watching her that she those dance moves are a lot like Jane Russell mm. um, in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which was later. 1953. So that was uh, six or seven years later. And um, 
No more. Same terrible at math. What is that? 47. Seven years. Oh, thank God. I didn't make it into college, gentlemen. There you go. There, secret's out. Um, so I just, I just remember watching that as uh, probably the first time I saw it. I, wanna, I was probably 11 or 12, maybe, and thinking, how, like, what an extraordinary performance. What a, I just was enwrapped. I honestly, I just thought, oh, I, I definitely want to do that. And I knew that I wanted to be an actress by the time I was about five. Mm-hmm. I was very, very young. And it wasn't something where I thought, oh, I'm going to watch movies like this. And that's really going to spur me on. I had already made up my mind. But I never, ever, ever got asked to play parts like that. Still never since. Um, and there's something really aspirational and sort of wishing about that, that I just thought, I don't know how you do that, but I love that you do that. Yeah, no, she's, she's amazing. I remember the, um, you probably, the first time was, was on TV, I assume, right? Or yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. Some kind of, and then did you, do you think you've, I mean, and it's, I know it's probably hard to remember, but it's something you found on your own or would it be something that? I was probably something I found on my own. My my parents were not big um, TV watchers at all. I remember on Saturday mornings, I used to watch um, as many Shirley Temple movies as I could mm-hmm. um, as they were showing that day. I was a huge Shirley Temple fan. Um, and then, of course, Judy Garland, who's on my list, but not for Wizard of Oz. I mean, you could p- really pick anything. Judy Garland was... Um, you want to wait for that, Siren? No, no, it doesn't matter. They know. They know it's. They know it's all <laughs> well, real. Also, They're all Zoom savvy if now. It's not, if it's not yours, I'll cut it out. Okay. No, it is mine. Oh, it is yours. No, it's yeah, hers. That's what I'm saying. No, okay. <laughs> we'll give it a second. Assuming. Sometimes we add them in post just so that it's all even. <laughs> just to give it a little texture. <laughs> if the conversation is really dragging, <laughs> sock in a siren. I'd have to leave it in now. Um. <laughs> um yeah, so I was a huge uh, old movie buff. I loved mm. um, uh, a Philadelphia Story is one that I've seen multiple times. Catherine Hepburn. I grew up in a in a very waspy family, quite formal, and so there was something sort of familiar actually about the tone of the Philadelphia Story, a Philadelphia Story, and and. Catherine Hepburn's delivery was, it was not um, completely foreign to me. And so, but I loved the glamour of it. I Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire to see them. I was, I always say that if I wasn't an actress, I would want to be a professional ballroom dancer. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, to be able to, move like that in sync with somebody. And I, and I took tango lessons several years ago, private tango lessons. And um, I started out with a friend of mine and then continued on my own. And I remember it was actually turned out to be a really brilliant metaphor for my life and the way I operate in the world. I was dancing with my instructor and he, for the first three months, would drop his arms and say, Yardley, you have got to stop leading. The dance doesn't work if we both lead. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, got it, got it. 
And then he would make me dance with my eyes closed. So mm -hmm. I couldn't anticipate what he was going to do. And it was so, I found it um, first infuriating because I couldn't do it. And then as I started to really sort of examine my resistance, I found it so gracious and so generous that someone was willing to look out for me that way because I'm dancing backwards, mm -hmm. right? So to make sure that I didn't knock into something or... Um, to basically, basically say, I got this. All you have to do is surrender. It was a very uncomfortable place for me. Um, but I love all those old movies of... Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you know the famous line about Ginger Rogers, right? Yes. Yes. Doing it uh, in high heels and backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. And I remember, you know, it, what was interesting and what's a really great point about that was very often Ginger Rogers, of course, would be in a full length gown, so you couldn't even see her feet, but I couldn't take my eyes off her. Whereas you could see what Fred Astaire was doing. You could see the dance. I was like, I don't care about you. I wanna know what <laughs> she's doing, right? What is she wearing? How is she moving? How does it, I mean, she just looked like she was floating. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I found uh, Gilda, Gilda on a you know, Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Right. Um, and then gentlemen prefer blondes, I, again, I was a huge um, Marilyn Monroe fan. There, I mostly from photos, and then when I found her films, I really feel like Marilyn Monroe. She, you know, she it was such a, a tragic and troubled life, but but there was this gleam in her eye where I felt as though she fully understood what. People thought she brought to the party, and if you, but if you were really looking, you saw the the depth of this human mm. being, of that soul, below the surface. And um, she wasn't really going to foist it upon you, sort of until the 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 much later films in her career, sort of the last handful, I would say, where I guess by then. Um, Certainly, she'd started working with Lee Strasberg, and so she was trying to, um, you know, really lean into that methodology and things like that. But prior to that, like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, um, uh, Seven which, Year Itch. Which sequence in Gentlemen? Oh, so, uh, of course, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. A kiss on the hand. Maybe quite continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. A kiss may be grand, but it won't pay the rental on your humble flat or help you at the automat. Men grow cold as girls grow old, and we all lose our charms in the end. It's so. Again, like there's such wit in her delivery. There is nothing. It looks frothy. It's a huge number. I loved that about it. There's, I don't know, 30 dancers on the floor um, until it's her solo. You know, this is huge opening before Marilyn Monroe, who's sitting with her back to us, is waiting basically for her entrance. And <clears throat> so it really delivers on that front. Um, and 
and then she is she is again so in command she's telling this story of if if you gentlemen in particular would just do what you said you were going to do if you didn't fucking lose your shit when women came around if you just would um if i could rely on you then i wouldn't have to collect diamonds to look after myself right to support myself to make sure that i had some independence if you would just um step up and and uh and be better people then you know we could talk but but you can't so you know what i want to sing about a bunch of really clear shiny sparkly rocks <laughs> um, yeah i just why I mean, why am I forgive me for for conflating you with your character, but the fact that Lisa Lisa Simpson having a feminist take on gentlemen prefer blondes is just the greatest thing I've heard all year. That's, <laughs> I, that, that's I'm so flattered by that actually. Um I aspire to be more like Lisa Simpson every day. Uh. <laughs> um yeah, I just uh I really and and yeah, she was she was amazing, and I feel like all you remember is that there are other there are men on that stage with her, but you don't remember one thing about anything that they did. Right. Um, only how they helped her serve her number, um, yeah. and that is that actually comes up a little later as well in West Side Story, which I think is really fascinating too. But um, we'll get to that. So another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. My next um, number three, I, I so I chose Pitch Perfect, ah, and I actually watched all three Pitch Perfects on a plane when oh, I was wow, on my flight. way. Yeah, like two years ago or last year when I was I was going to a um, two years ago I think going to Europe. So I. And I was like, eh, psh, I don't want to see Pitch Perfect. That's not a real musical. <laughs> and then I loved them. I really loved them. And it was actually really difficult to choose one musical number from any of those films because a couple of things. First of all, I thought, what a great idea to have a female singing group that's a cappella. To me, that is, it's such a throwback. It's so old school. Like, and, and it really separates the wheat from the chaff, I think. So if you can't sing, then we can probably goosey up with some good instrumentals and or certainly with the little dial on the God knows what all the engineer is doing, right? Um, but you can't, it's sort of to me like stage and film much easier to craft a performance for an actor on film from editing mm. um, on stage everybody's looking at the whole picture the whole time right. so if you can't cut it and if you don't know how to get out of a jam if you or your fellow actor 
goes up and can't remember their lines, you're fucked. And so what I like about acapella was uh, singing is that, first of all, to be able to make that many different sounds, so many different tones, and have it feel so rich and so full just vocally is art. It's, it's so beautiful. It's amazing. And I also love that, you know, there are little spats in the movie blah, 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 with, between the girls, but by and large, they really come together and rely on each other. And um, there's a lot of talk on the uh, interweb these days about, certainly in these days, about let's not tear each other down. And women in particular who can be so catty, you know, let's try to support each other without being um, uh, disingenuous about it. And so uh, I really loved that despite their differences, they came together for this common cause. Mm-hmm. And 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 so and so I, oh the two songs that I chose were uh, riff off round one both were from the original Pitch Perfect mm-hmm. movies movies so riff off round one and then their final performance. I thought, oh, what a great game. And I'm incredibly competitive. So I liked the idea that you could make music in the frame of a game. Mm. That was really, and you had to think on your feet. Um, I thought that was really great and clever. And again, so the riff off takes place between a group of boys that they're uh, at school with and then our girls, our Bellas, right? Nobody remembers the boys. Nobody remembers the boys. They're there. They're doing their part, but it's all about the girls. Sure. Um, And so I thought that was great. And then as funny as I was watching the the finale from part one last night, um, because I hadn't seen it in a couple of years, I was like, oh, that's good. And then I watched the finale from movie number two. I was like, oh, I think that's better. I think I like that one better. But really the premise is that 
for the most part, they're doing cover versions of popular songs, which is tough because the question will always be, what do you, person doing the cover version, what do you bring to the party, right? What's different about you? What's your reason for being? And I feel like for me anyway, they really ticked that box where they could, I was like, I, okay, yeah. And again, if it's only that you have 12 girls on stage at once singing a cappella and doing that version of the song, I was satisfied. (laughs) I felt like I'd had a full meal. (laughs) Yeah. I've, I've only seen the first one and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, but it's. I did uh, too. So uh, charming. So, so lovely. And, but the others are as good or they're as fun? Uh, yes. I remember thinking, and they sort of all run together a bit. Here's my bad memory. I think <laughs> the third one was maybe not as strong as the other two, but I, I, was, I was happy still to yeah. give them another 80 minutes of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I was fine with that. <laughs> That's great. That's great. What a fun thing to do on an airplane. Yes. And I... I, I really, you know, it's hard for it. First of all, it's not a great place to watch a movie. The sound isn't great quality. If blah, 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 but these were perfect for that because yeah, yeah, it was really fun. Um, what else? Oh, Dream Girls. There we so, go. Uh, and I chose so Jennifer Hudson. She does two really show-stopping numbers in that movie. But I chose the first one, which is uh, I Am Changing. I am changing I'll be better than I am I'm trying To find a way To This movie came out in 2007, and she, I think she won American Idol in around 2000, or, or, no, she didn't win American Idol, that was the whole thing, in 2004. Mm. She was a runner-up. She was in the last three, I believe. Um, And then she gets cast as Effie White in uh, Dreamgirls. And what's great about this performance, I Am Changing, is... She's so young. I looked it up. She was 25 when she did Dream Girls, or 24 maybe. If she was filming it when she was 24. But by all accounts, I believe Jennifer Hudson um, didn't have a, a pampered childhood. You know, she grew up in Chicago, and her I think her she had a single mom. Her mother was a single mom, and um, and but for a 24 year old to sing. I am changing for, uh, uh, I think he was a producer and basically he doesn't even really want to see her. He's not interested in this, but um, uh, Danny Glover convinces him to stay and watch Jennifer sing. And of course, he's not sorry because 
this woman, she like reaches down to the depths of her soul and pulls out this performance that tells a story in the framework of words that she can't change, right? And I I never forgot it. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is, so there's a, there's another really 11 o'clock number um, that she sings to Jamie Foxx later on in the film. But I remembered her hair. She has an afro in this early song. And I was like, no, I want the song with the afro. Where's the song with the afro? Because <laughs> I couldn't remember the title right. of it. Um, and it just, you just go, oh, yes. Okay, now, ah, ah, that's why you won the Oscar. Got yeah, it. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Incredible. I'm really excited to see her do Aretha Franklin. I'm, I'm yeah, I, I, I can't think of too many other people who could, could plausibly take that shot. Agreed. I, and I can't I, think of know, anybody else really today. I think it's, it's such a tall order. I think by and large in show business, you get people who are either really good actors or really good singers, but rarely both. Um, and I, you know, I'll probably get a lot of hate mail for this. I think Jennifer was wonderful in Dreamgirls, but mm-hmm. I, you know, she's, um, she's not Viola Davis. Do you know what I'm saying? Like right. she's, she's, she was she young and inexperienced. Yeah. And so, but now, 13 years on, doing Aretha Franklin, I'm really excited and, and eager to see her take that amount of life experience and channel it into um, this biopic, which those can, I mean, what could be harder? Nothing. Yeah. Well, and also, there's so many things, you know, if, if you can play Van Gogh, you don't have to be able to paint. But right. if you're going to play one of the greatest singers who ever lived and do the singing yourself, that's... That's a little frightening. <laughs> I agree. She's 100% up to that task, like a thousand billion percent, I think. Um, I just think it's very hard to marry the two. And, I, and speaking, I mean, I'm no singer. I sing a lot on The Simpsons. Yes. Uh, it's a bit of a tragedy, but, um, <laughs> but I, are you kidding me? I remember we did, <laughs> we did an episode six or seven years ago with uh, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga comes to Springfield and uh, she she ends up, she, she's come to, Lisa's sad and she comes to cheer Lisa Simpson up or she ends up cheering her up. And we have a duet. Okay, thank God. We did not sing that duet together <laughs> in real time because all I can tell you is I went in to record my part of the song Lady Gaga had already recorded her part. I'm like, are you kidding me? That is the meanest thing you guys could ever do. What? I can't. What? That? Why why are you doing that? I mean, this would be like, oh, my God. Like, you know, asking me to swim a lap against an Olympic athlete. It just is wrong. (laughs) It's just so wrong. So hats off to um, Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. Yeah. Just for showing up on the set. Yeah. Right. No. <laughs> yes. Absolutely right, Josh. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm doing all the talking here. No, well, that's, yeah. You're we're the guest. Think, you're the guest. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. <laughs> um, so 
So number five Joe and on I my can list solve a crime, is, and then we can come on <laughs> come on your show and talk about how we solved it. I can't even solve the crime. I'm just sitting. I'm you. I'm at the <laughs> other side of the table going. Oh, how did you do that? No, it's the t- <laughs> I co-host with identical twin detectives, Dan and Dave, and so they speak the language of our detective guest, who um, comes to tell us about. How, how come that's never been a TV show? I know, uh, I know it because if you wrote it without knowing that it's true, people are like that's stupid. Nobody believes that. They li- and they worked at the same agency in the same bullpen, nine detectives, because our premise is big time crime in small town USA. And uh, people are just like, what? No, that's impossible. That has to be central casting. Like, nope, it's actually true. Um, so uh, number five on my list is Chicago. Ah. I, lo- I actually remember seeing Chicago on Broadway, when, uh, is it uh, Anne Rankin who starred in it, I believe? Oh, no, am I thinking Chorus Line? All the Fosses. I don't um, know. This, this is my weak spot. I forget. Joe? I do. Uh, well, no. you know, the, the, uh, the stage is very finite because, you know, once it's, once it's performed, it's gone. And uh, it's not like you could just dial it up or, you know. That's true. Yeah. And so it's uh, it, it, you, to, to go back through the uh, listings of all the famous plays that are done from the 40s and 50s and look at the cast um, yeah. is pretty impressive because, so you know, you, these, are, these are roles that you didn't know these people played. Yeah. And they played them for like a half a year. Sometimes they went out on tour. Um, but it's not something that stuck in the zeitgeist because the people who saw those performances are mostly gone. And there's right. no record. And it's, it's really one of the beautiful things about theater. Well, that yeah, it, that it's, it's just that little, it's that moment in time. And yeah. it's that experience mm-hmm. between you on stage or you and the audience and whoever else, you know, and the vice versa. It's, it's oh, here we kind go. of, it's like Cinderella Sorry. at the ball. You've, you've got, you may have seen Anne Rankin. She was in the original Broadway revival, um, but the, the part was originated by Gwen Verdon. Oh yeah, I would. There I would have go. seen Anne Reinke, and I don't. I didn't. Uh, you were on the right track. I was on the. I was on the right track, um, and I remember, again, just being mesmerized by the singing and the dancing and the. I have a police helicopter. Four times a day. Get her. Okay, um, you know the. Are you sure? We, we, we wouldn't lie to you. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Joe. (laughs) Um, You know, the singing and the dancing and the, the crispness of the execution of those moves and, and clearly, um, you know, again, sort of back to my rather formal upbringing, there was something so raw and visceral about Bob Fosse's way of making the human body move. And um, that it was, it was really about, again, the whole experience. If when you go to the theater, you, you see the whole picture all the time, you sort of, you, you, it's a wonderful, it's an incredible experience when you don't know where to look because there's so much to see. And, um, 
So for the film, when they did Chicago and Renee Zellweger um, plays Roxy and I chose uh, Roxy as her, as the song that I loved, you Mm. know, I actually chose two songs. There's Roxy and then Cell Block Tango. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Chicago came out in 2002, and I remember there were so many doubters about Renee Zellweger, like, ah, she can't sing, she can't dance, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she worked her ass off to really do an incredible job. And I thought, for a woman who is reportedly really quite shy and, and sort of evidence supports that, there's not a ton of... Um, there are not a lot of stories about her in the press and stuff. She refuses uh, to come on this show. She does? No, I'm not. She's too shy. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, uh, you should. Uh, yeah, no, but I, I, I have heard that she's very shy. So that's yeah, a, very, very private. You don't see her on a lot of talk shows. So I no, you don't. That, you yeah, know, unless she's chatting. Asking, being asked to promote something specific. And so, you know, for her to expose herself in that way I thought was so brave and she did such a a really wonderful job um I just thought oh I would I would love an opportunity like that I would I would love for somebody to teach me how to dance like that I would love an opportunity to take voice lessons again but I used to take them when I was really young um for four months or six months or however long she did it and and be able to do a, a pretty serviceable job of these incredible iconic numbers um and then in contrast the cell block tango which features Catherine zeta jones but but what it really features is these broadway dancers mm-hmm. who 
would have been in the and or perhaps were in the Broadway production of Chicago, oh, sure, yeah. whichever revival. Yeah. And you go, oh, oh, fuck. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, the crispness of those dance numbers and that kind of delivery. I, I just thought like, uh, right. That's why, again, you're the Olympic athletes in this particular sport. Right. Just right. is, and in some ways, um, I mean, there's a, there's a, a great, one of the um, female dancers in Cell Block Tango, there, each, each character, about a six sort of principal dancers in that number, talk about how they killed their husbands. And they all did it in a different way. <clears throat> and um, and that's why they're in jail, in prison. And but there's one woman who's telling her story, and then I'm <laughs> kidding, from an absolute dead standstill, she just lifts her leg all the way up to her ear. <laughs> and scene. Thank you for coming. Um, so I just really admire that. I admire that level of skill. To me, again, like if I wasn't a professional ballroom dancer, I would have wanted to be an Olympic athlete. Mm. I really want to be that good at something that is physical like that. And I'm strong and I'm athletic, but I just never had the training to do something at that level. And I admire it with all my heart and soul. Do you get a little bit of a taste of that every now and then? Because Lisa's certainly done her share of, every, <laughs> I mean, good Lord, <laughs> everything you've talked about. Yes, yes. Uh, Yes, I do. I, mean, I understand you don't do your own stunts on a show. But. Yeah, no. I've tried. I have too many <laughs> fingers. <I'm sort> of, <laughs> I feel like I have an advantage over her. <laughs> um, yes, I, you know, for, for me, I feel like on our show, I'm actually really the one who made out like a bandit because when they've written some incredible uh, monologues for Lisa Simpson. Oh, yeah that are, and less about this, the soapboxy ones where she's championing a cause, more about here's what's in my heart and soul, what's in yours. And, and here's why I think and wish that you would meet me here at this very vulnerable place. And they do that so beautifully. And, um, and on the flip side of that, those moments are only successful if you remember that Lisa Simpson is eight and she will always laugh at Itchy and Scratchy. Yeah. You know, you can't have one, you can't have this super um, precocious eight-year-old and not have her be insufferable if you don't also <laughs> have the converse of her, you know, howling at Itchy and Scratchy. So oh, yeah. they really strike Now I feel balance. terrible because I'm significantly older than eight and I... Uh... I, I laugh. He loves itchy and scratchy. I love itchy and scratchy. I'm so glad. I mean, who doesn't? Talk about over the top. They're so brilliant. It's so irreverent. It's so, and such a, I mean, of course, a, a send up of Tom and Jerry and all those incredibly violent cartoons we all yep. used to watch growing up. You go, is that safe? Is that good? What do you mean used to. <laughs> Didn't seem to hurt right, us. Right, right. Joe, when, Joe, when is the last time you watched a Tom and Jerry cartoon? I'm guessing sometime in the last. Uh, about three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> You're, and yeah. you're a huge uh, Chuck Jones fan. Yeah. 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 Chuck, unfortunately, Chuck, uh, even Chuck admitted that Tom and Jerry wasn't really his, his metier, you know, because he inherited them. 
uh, ah, for yes, a while. And he made a whole bunch of theatricals that um, that he wasn't happy with, and and which limited animation and all that stuff. But he, he yeah. just he said he just never felt like he could connect to those characters the way that he connected to the ones at Warner Brothers, and right. uh, and it was they were really Hanna Barbera's creations and their greatest creations, actually. Yes, I agree. Fascinating. I watched um, the the dot mm-hmm. and the line. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful cartoon. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you know what it reminded me of? Um, Pixar. It reminded me of Pixar's iconic little lamp, which is yep. now their you Which know, I'm logo. sure was influenced by that. I'm sure of yeah. it. I mean, it's so, the ballet is so similar in those two films. Mm-hmm. And um, the anthropomorphizing of these inanimate objects. But how brilliant to tell that story with just a circle and a bunch yeah. of lines. Yeah. I mean, really, really, ah, just really beautiful. Um, okay. Uh, six, shall we go to six? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, West side story. So I had mentioned this a little bit earlier and I always, my favorite number in that musical has always been America with starring mm-hmm. Rita Moreno. Rico, my heart's devotion, let it sink back in the ocean. <laughs> always the hurricanes blowing, always the population growing, and the money owing, and the sunlight streaming, and the natives steaming. I know you do. Smoke on your pipe and put it in. I like to be in America. Okay, by me in America. Everything free in America. For a small fee in America. Buying on credit is so nice. One look at us and they charge twice. I have my own washing machine. What will you have though to keep clean? Skyscrapers bloom in America. Cadillacs zoom in America. Industry boom in America. Twelve in a room in America. As uh, you know, and again, I go back to so it's a group of. Uh, Puerto Rican women and a group of Puerto Rican men basically, literally selling, singing about the racism in the United States, which is so timely for now. And really, um, I, it, I saw that movie when uh, I didn't see it in the theater. I was too young. But uh, let's see, when did it come out? Yeah, 61. I was born in 64. So, um, and I'm, I wonder when it came out if people sort of bristled at that, if that felt incredibly bold and, oh, no, no, that's not why we go to the movies, or I wonder, I don't... Well, you remember, you, you got to remember, it's, it, was, it started on Broadway, and uh, right. you know, that it, it, to, to please a Broadway audience and, and yes. to, to tickle their fancy is a little different than what you do for a mass audience that's going to be seeing it all over the world. Uh, and so in that sense, it was pretty groundbreaking. Yeah. It stayed in, and I'll be very curious how it's handled in the new 
Spielberg version. Oh, that's yes. right. He's doing it with. I forgot too. All unknown. Really well right? said. That's what I heard. Yeah, and it's. Sorry, say it again, Josh. I, I think he's doing it with all. Uh, unknowns. I think the yeah, other unknowns, and I think that they're all correct. The correct ethnicities, which the original uh, film is constantly being criticized for, right? Uh, as all movies of that period were. Um, but um, it's you know it's it, it's you know Jerome Robbins and Robert Wise didn't really get along very well while making that picture. Um, really, because Jerome Robbins was a rather prickly fellow, uh, but he, <laughs> but he was a genius, and uh, that that choreography is just amazing. I mean, it's particularly fantastic. particularly the outdoor stuff uh, done in the neighborhood that is now Lincoln Center, but ah. is and was about to be destroyed. And which they managed to get to film before the the wreckers moved in. No way. Yeah. That's amazing. Don't you love Joe Dante? I uh, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, it's crazy. That's incredible. Yeah. I He's love got a million that. of those. See, so great. And watch watch me make him angry now. That's because he's seen every movie ever made. Now you stop. Do you consider it too much of a compliment or an insult? No, it's Joe? just so What's not that? true. It's not, <laughs> nobody, no, nobody on earth could ever cover that territory. That's true, that but there true. are some, you know, probably a few movies that, if you, that don't deserve to be seen. They got made, but still, nobody should have seen them. I feel All like right. I've been in a few. Um, <laughs> anyway, I've been in a few. but yeah, but God, and Rita Moreno is so great in that too. So um, great, and I go back to. For me, at least, again, there's a whole, there's equal number of men on that stage as there are women, but I only remember the women mm-hmm. with their phenomenal moves and their um, just sort of uh, take no prisoners attitude toward um, this argument where the women actually are expressing a certain amount of optimism about we're so happy to be here and the men are like, really, really take a cold, hard look at how you're being treated. And um, just fantastic and uh, so obvious to me as to why that musical, that piece is, a, is one of our American masterpieces. Yeah, I mean, the, the songs in that thing are yeah. incredible. Right, for some reason, I think it was, um, yeah, it was when I, er, early on, Tom, Tom Waits did a cover of Somewhere. And I had just never, I'd had that thing that a lot of people did. You hear that voice and you just immediately go, Jesus, get me out of this room. Yeah, yeah. And then you hear Tom Waits sing somewhere. And it just, for me, that was the moment where it all clicked. And I have just been, I have loved him forever. I love that voice now. Yeah. But I, I remember literally hearing, I and mean, it was because it's such a great song that it somehow gave me a way into that insane voice of his. Um, but yeah, I, I love the music in that so much. Oh, I'm definitely going to download that when we... Oh, it's gorgeous. Here. It's gorgeous. Or you'll hate I, it, one or the other. <laughs> I, <laughs> but I love when, you know, a singer like Tom Waits takes a song like Somewhere and it's, if you said what would be one of the oddest pairings that you could come up with, that mm-hmm. would be one of them. That's and then one. they do it. And it, as you say, it's transformative. Well, you that know? answers your question about cover versions. Yeah. Right, right. Well, <laughs> exactly. There are some that you will forever stick with you, but there are a lot that you'll never remember. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then what is, what is the, because uh, uh, I always felt like on the waterfront, which Bernstein scored, did, did, did that predate the theatrical version of uh, West Side Story? Uh, I, 
it, yes, I believe so. I think on the waterfront was late fifties and it was late fifties, but I don't know when the play uh, first. Oh, first. good question. Because I know that um, it always you you can to me you always hear echoes of of what's going to happen in West Side Story in that score. Yes, one of a million yes. reasons I love that movie. Amazing, yeah. What a oof. you know, Joe or yeah, uh, it's it definitely predates it. Okay, so it wasn't it wasn't because right. yeah. What were you oh, waiting oh. for? Just gonna let us gobble. I off just want to see how far you dig himself in. <laughs> 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 well, fine. Fine. <laughs> Joe, what's, what's next, you leave Joe? the building now. Um, what's next? Uh, Funny Girl, Barbara uh, Streisand, Don't Rain on My Parade. Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Don't tell me not to fly, I simply got to. If someone takes a spill, it's me and not you. Who told you you're allowed to rain on my I'll march my band out I'll beat my drum And if I'm found out I remember reading that, uh, I think I read that Barbara Streisand sang all of her numbers live as opposed to, you know, having playback and then mouthing. Oh, wow. And then um, I just really, I really, I loved that she was sort of the, um, she, wasn't what you expected in a movie star. Mm-hmm. She, you know, didn't look a certain way or blah, blah, blah. She didn't sound a certain way, but she was like, fuck you, I'm doing this. And she did it. Nobody, that voice is just extraordinary. And Don't Rain on My Parade, I love that it takes place in so many locations. And yet, so they would have had to film that in pieces, obviously. Right. And yet the through line, she never loses the momentum from being in the train station to being on the train to being on the tugboat, you know, to, to or at least starting from the moment she says, I'm going to get my guy. So um, that's just a real testament to her skill and obviously the direct of uh, the whole kit and caboodle. But um, yeah, you kind of went, oh, that makes sense. Now I, yep. now I know why you're a star too. Again. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> and speaking of stars, the next one is a star is born and, uh, this is the Judy Garland version. And so this Judy Garland's version of Star Born came out in 1954. And she was already starting to falter in her, well, she'd been faltering for a bit, but she, things were really starting to catch up with her. I think I read that they got behind uh, like 43 days in shooting because she kept calling in sick and missing work and, um, then she had to take two weeks off to sort of get off the pills. And so she sings, the song I chose was The Man That Got Away. The night is bitter, the stars have lost their glitter, the winds grow colder, suddenly you're older, and all because of the man that got away. Oh, 
the setting is very simple. She's standing at a piano. But it, what's brilliant, of course, is her delivery. That voice is just, again, gets into your cells. It's into your being. And she, you can tell that she's singing from the first hand experience of extraordinary loss. And to me, it was so visceral. Mm. And what I also loved was you start to, I don't know if that was the beginning of it, but now in hindsight, you can connect the dots that her body language when she's singing is everything she was doing on stage. You know, the Mm. raising of one arm up past her ear and um, the sort of trembling fists. And um, I just, I could watch that number 15 times in a row. Such a great song too. Yeah, great uh, song. There's, I do you watch. Um, uh, one of the fun things we do in the show is like I fall in love with a TV show, and then we stalk the creators. And we had uh, Stephen Canals, the creator of Pose, on a while back. Do you watch oh, Pose? Yes. Because Billy Porter did that oh. song. Do you remember in an AIDS clinic? And it was just because the show's not normally into sort of fantasy and musical stuff, and it's just yeah. one of the most powerful things I've ever seen on TV. Uh, amazing. Just he, incredible. I mean, oh, I, I love the. I, I, my favorite scenes, excuse me, from that show were in the nightclub, you know, when they used to do their, I mean, I just can't get enough of the glamour and the, and the commitment and the, oh, the, all of it. You know, they're having a blast making that. Yeah. Um, number nine on my list was Gypsy, the Bette Midler version. I'm a huge Bette Midler fan. I think she has one of those voices that, Again, can sing anything from Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy to uh, Wind Beneath My Wings to, for me, I actually chose Everything's Coming Up Roses. I had a dream, a dream about you, baby. It's gonna come true, baby. They think that we're through, but baby. chose that as I was um, going back through it, I thought, oh my God. So when I was growing up in Washington, D.C., there was a woman in my neighborhood who had eight kids and she had a one-car garage and every summer she would gather up all the children in the neighborhood, including her own children, and put on, she actually, we didn't really put on plays, we would lip sync to famous musicals. So like Fiddler on the Roof and uh, Sound of Music, stuff like that. And what I remembered, what I, which came back to me was she would begin and end each evening with everything is coming up roses, but just the orchestration, nobody mm. actually singing it. And so when I heard the, um, the, the prelude to the actual vocalization, I was like, oh, oh my God, it was like being six again in that little garage. 
and when I, the moment that I, that was, those were the years I thought, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. Sure. So I love that song. Yeah. And also, if you watch Bette Midler's performance of that, Everything's Coming Up Roses, such, talk about, oh my God, she embodies the narcissist like nobody's business. Such, like, rage of like, we're gonna, you're going to be successful if it kills me. And you think it just might, it just might, you know, <laughs> she's talking about her daughter. And, um, but also about the loss that she was not the star, the agony, the absolute gut-wrenching regret and jealousy and envy and anger um, toward, you know, this, this daughter that she's pushing out into center stage. And she's like, it should be me. And boy, you <laughs> get that in her, uh, in her version of that song. It's yeah. very powerful, I think. I have no idea why. I had to be pretty young. I, I ended up in a theater. It was just not my kind of scene at all. And I went mm-hmm. to see her concert film, uh, Divine Madness, which was, what, mid-70s, mm-hmm. I think. And I mean, little, I, I had no idea. It's like, if you, you know, I'm the last person who would go see a Bette Midler concert film. <laughs> And, and, uh, man, yeah, that was revelatory. Um, she was just nothing like what I had expected. I know such energy, such, and again, I feel like you get a whole story in the context of fixed lyrics. Mm -hmm. There's a whole backstory. There's a whole, that analogy of a duck where it looks calm on the surface and they're paddling like mad below, below the. Waterline. That's the art is taking someone else's song and, and making it sound like it's it coming out of you it. naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, um, and the last one on my list was nine. Mm. So the, obviously, you know, there's the famous film Eight and a Half, and then they made a musical for. Joe, you've seen on, that, right? On uh, uh, yeah. Eight and a Half. I was being funny. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um, they did the. Musical on Broadway called Nine, and then they did a film, and they cast it with, with, of course, nobody who was in the Broadway production. Um, and the song I chose was Kate Hudson singing Cinema Italiano. I love the black and white. I love the play of light. The way Contini puts his image through a prism. I feel my body chill. Gives me a special thrill each time I see that Guido neorealism. I love the dark and handsome guys with the skinny little ties, just mind fucking out of sight. I love to watch them as they cruise with their pointy leather shoes, wearing shades in the middle of the night. Whatever Guido does, it makes me smile. He is the essence of Italian style. I love the glamorous Latin world, only Guido can portray. What's fascinating about, to me, about this number is, first of all, again, Kate Hudson, not known to be, you know, a great singer, but she does a really terrific job. What really comes through is how much fun she's having, and it looks like there's a lot more choreography going on than there is. There's Mm. really almost no choreography other than stepping side to side, for the most part. And then she's flanked by all these, you know, hot Italian or supposed to be Italian actor dancers. And um, it's a really joyful number that 
completely embodies what she's trying to convey to Daniel Day-Lewis as the director um, in the film of her joy and how much people appreciate what it is he does. He doesn't want to hear it. And she's like, you're wrong. People love the suit as much as they love the man. Mm -hmm. People want to be the women that you put on screen. Um, You don't understand the value of what you're creating for your audience. And so then, you know, as only musicals could do, she slips into this number, Cinema Italiano, Italiano, which is all about her appreciation for um, his art form. And it's just great. It's fantastic, mindless entertainment um, in troubling times such as these. I, I, I have never seen Nine. I don't know. Um, um, it's fun would, and flashy would... and glitzy and sexy. And you see all of these women, like Penelope Cruz um, is in it. Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas does a great number. She's, of yeah. course, like the only real singer. Nicole Kid- Kidman um, is the main lead. Uh, it's great. It's lovely. Again, I think if you were part of the Broadway production, you'd go, so, <laughs> that's the, the B team. But There's a long history of that. I loved it. I loved it. I could, I, it was great fluff, like oh, a fantastic. fine dessert. Oh, uh, well, Yardley, this has been so much fun. Thank you. I mean, you really, you really uh, took took this to heart and dove deep for us. I really nobody's done an episode quite like this one. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, Jeff. It's good. <laughs> it's, it's good. We, we've done an awful lot of these. Yeah. It's no, true. I actually realized as I was listening to um, your past episodes, I was like, uh, as I'm talking, thinking, yeah, those don't sound like this. We look for, for diversity. Yes, we're looking to shake it up every time. So thank you for doing that. Um, as I said, this one's going to be a blast to edit. Uh, I'm, yeah, definitely, I'm definitely yeah. going to include excerpts um, in this one. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, no, thank you. And um, good luck with that little TV show you're on. And um, hope, hope, that, uh, hope that works out for you. Thanks, thanks. I, yeah, I, 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 was, <laughs> I, have, I have the uh, that surefire income um security of the podcast too that's right oh yeah podcast to fall back on right (laughs) my mother would be proud um oh and then speaking of uh joe we should just stay with for one minute we we should shout out to uh frank farina a listener of ours um who uh we have the best listeners we have the best listeners i think i do i think on small town dicks we have the best listeners so i worry i worry about people who (laughs) listen addictively to crime podcasts because i think they're making notes you know they're mostly women that's yeah. What? Oh, well, tell us what is the deal? What's what's the appeal? Do you think? I think it's um, multifold. First of all, we're often the victims, right? So I think there's a kind of there, but for the grace of God, go I. And maybe I can learn something about either how to get out of a jam or not get into the jam in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- and for us, you know, we started it because we wanted to highlight big time crime in small town USA because it's happening with the same level of depravity just with less, less frequency than it happens in big cities. Um, but there's also, I truly, and there's a very, there's a valid and very heated conversation going on about um, policing in the United States these days, and we should continue to have it. But at the end of the day, I also believe that people want the good guys to win. And I believe that you cannot paint any group with one broad brush. 
and therefore um, you hope that law enforcement are the good guys. Same like with you call the fire department to put out the fire. You want your doctors to know what's wrong with you. You know, right. it's so there is a, a kind of you're willing to do a job that I am not. And and I'm grateful for that. And you want to know that justice is served. And so should anything horrific like that ever happen to you, there is a whole group of people that are willing to put that train back on the tracks to make sure that um, your situation does not go unnoticed. Right. Um, no, it's, it's uh, Don't you think we should explain why we were singling out, Frank? I, I was about to. Oh, yes. yes. No, 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 uh, <laughs> I, 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 be so confused. I, I sidetracked us by talking to our guests. As you often work. do. I know, we're never <laughs> supposed to talk to them about their work. I'm, I'm so bad at this. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I'm going to cut out everything about uh, uh, your podcast and The Simpsons. And, okay, good. No, don't worry. Don't worry. It's all gone. You'll be just um, on as a, a musical expert. Yes. Somewhere her rep is losing her mind. Oh, I'm God. kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but no, Frank Farina is part of a group that collects out-of-print audio commentaries from old like laser discs and DVDs. Um, some of which are real gold, and they've been uh, um, collecting them and putting them on the internet. And uh, they they linked us to a whole bunch the other day, Frank. So, uh, and uh, 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 very very reliable and hardcore listener. So we really appreciate that. Ah, oh, brilliant. Um, we appreciate the listeners who don't send us things either. But, uh, <laughs> Probably not as much though. Probably not. <laughs> not not as much. Not as much. <laughs> um, oh my God! I can't, I'm trying to remember. Did the Simpsons ever? You guys must have been, you must have done some laser discs. Uh, I don't it think we be. did laser discs. Laser are, discs you know, were just going out of style. Yeah, and we, we yeah, didn't start you doing. Know, laser discs have been gone for quite a while. A long the time. has been around for quite a while. <laughs> we didn't I, start, but you know, you didn't start getting television series right. sort of in some external form like a CD or it would have been VHS, a CD, you know, VHS. Um, for yeah, we we you didn't start doing that when we started, and then oh, when yeah. we started to do episode commentary, we were, I think, we didn't start doing those until at least season twelve. We're still so far behind the curve. We're only up yeah, to it's been around 20. for a while. I remember getting the first DVD set. And yes. They, yeah, they, and so by the time people were actually collecting that kind of stuff, they they had defaulted to DVDs. Laserdisc had died. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. very sad. Um, well, Yardley, thank you so much. Uh, really, this was a blast. I can't wait to start listening to all that music. And um, uh, it was just a joy talking to you. So. Thank you. Likewise, I'm, I'm very grateful to um, have been a part of this amazing, amazing podcast you've created. Oh, thank you. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Stay safe out there, folks. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. 
If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.